and welcome to episode 200 of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. My name's Aaron and each week I have the absolute pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy James. Hello there. And here we are, 200 episodes oh, in. My God, for 200 plus weeks, because obviously we've done spoiler episodes, we've done extra episodes, but 200 labelled. Oh, thank you for following us on this journey. And we have got a treat for you. One of sci-fi's greatest movies. We're talking, we're talking the best of the best. You wanted it. We've given it mm. to you. Mark, how, no, no, we're not doing that, are we? No, no, we're not doing Star Wars. Oh, no. we're doing, all oh, right. So Captain Kirk is the captain of the US. No, no we don't do we, that. We've done, we've done Star Trek. But there is a ship, right, in this film. Has it got an alien on it? Mm. <laughs> Debatable. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's world acting. I'll give you that. Do people shrink in it. <gasps> Did they get lost in cereal? Yes. Oh, honey, I, no. No, we're not, not doing that, that no, neither. No, 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 no. Shit. Well, what if we took space, mm. inverted it? Oh, small. Yeah. It was the eighties. Meg Ryan. Oh, Dennis Quaid. Hey. Inner space. Inner <laughs> space. That's what we're doing for our two hundredth episode. We peaked too soon. <laughs> We peaked you soon because we've done all that. We've done Harry Potter. We've done Die Hard. We've done Alien. We've done the Terminator franchise. We've done Predator. We've done Robocop. We've done so many things. Back to the Future, Indiana Jones. We've done new releases. We've done cinema releases, streaming services. We've to Z'd pretty much everything. We've took the piss along the way. One thing we've never done is do a miniature and gone inside another man. More about that soon. But what's been a running joke on this podcast? I don't know where it was. It was around about, it was after episode was, 100. It was because it was just you and me. And I was joking that I thought I'd made up a movie because I cannot remember what it was called. All I can remember is it involved someone in a tiny ship yep. inside someone. Yep. And somehow was talking to that person yep. and prodding his eyeball. And I yep. thought I dreamt this film. I was like, oh, you know, someone should make a film about going into someone like this way. And you was like, no, that film exists. It's called Inner Space. I was like, oh my God. And then we've tracked it down because it's not on any streaming it's service. Not. Why would it be? So if <laughs> Why you, would it be? If, you, if you're thinking about turning off now, don't because you don't need to see an Inner Space to get this episode. We're going to talk you through it and hopefully at the end of it, you might one day watch it or you might dodge a bullet by not watching it. We'll, we'll kind of leave that to the to the synopsis and the, and the review. But we're going to play by play. We've done this with loads of films now. Most recently we've done it with Top Gun, the, uh, the original one from the 80s. But we did He-Man, the Masters of the Universe movie for our 100th episode special. We've done Die Hard. You know, we kind of take it through key scenes, start to finish. Mm. We're going to relive the movie in this podcast. And what's so funny about this is, like I said, we could have done something really grand. Like Lord of the Rings, we did weeks ago. Like that would have been a 200th episode. No, no. We're going to do the Dennis Quaid, Martin Short and Meg Ryan movie from 1987 that was a bomb at the box office. Oh, it was a bomb. And not many people have seen since. (laughs) Well, can you blame them? Find out as we take you through the journey of a movie's digestive tract. Yeah. So we head slowly towards its anus. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, like I said, I thought I made this movie up. I was delighted when I found out that it actually exists because I could remember, or what I thought I could remember key scenes of it. So I was so excited to delve back in and see what it's like years and years on. I must have seen this film, you know, you kind of, your ITV, BBC Two, late night kind of thing. So this is my first example. As a child, I had my parents had this on VHS. Mm. This is all about video art cover because there's so much going on. Quaid looks freaky. He does with his his smile is bigger than Martin Schwartz's head. It's everything. It's Meg Ryan on it. There's creepiness, mm. and we'll get onto it. But as a kid, I saw this film a lot. A lot. It's been about, and you know, you say these things hyperbole. It's been about 
20 years since I've seen this film. Yeah, yeah. God knows when I saw it and I'm glad to have revisited. Let's just set the scene. So this is Fantastic Voyage meets Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. It's July 1987. Inner Space hits the big screen. Directed by Joe Dante, fresh from the success of movies like Gremlins and working with producer Peter Gruber. The plans were to make a film about a miniature explorer who is set on a mission inside another man's body. If that isn't a message for something that I don't know what is. Accepted by Warner Brothers, what? the first pick director was actually John Carpenter. Amazing. Who signed on to the project, read the script, and then detached himself. But <laughs> and then quickly left. <laughs> what is this shit? <laughs> so I don't get it. He's in the man? <laughs> John Carpenter, I love it, just goes into Warner Brothers. He's like, look, I'm, I'm, thank you, but I don't do gay porn. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think you understand it. It's like, well, later, the, the man gets out. <laughs> yeah, he's in there. He's just rummaging around. I said, I don't do that stuff. Anyway, so Warner Brothers signed up to it. John Carpenter signed up. Then he left, but he did give some constructive feedback. He made a few uh, changes to the script. There was a rewrite taking Carpenter's ideas. That's cool. Carpenter went on to do Big Trouble in Little Chinatown. Ooh, nice. Um, a, much better, a film, again, that we could have done, a much bigger <laughs> known film. Joe Dante was then signed up, um, and the plan was to make it less Fantastic Voyage and more something of its own. Spielberg liked the script so much that he then went on to produce it. I noticed that when the credits, I'm not starting this, I'm not starting it, but they really get, like Steven Spielberg's name is the biggest name. It's mm. visible from space. It's that big. It's like Steven Spielberg and then very, very minutely produced by. Yeah. <laughs> Just like. But this is, I mean, if you, Gremlins is a good comparison. You know, Gremlins obviously produced by Spielberg as well as is, is a, um, you can see that influence that Spielberg yeah. had on fucking films in the 80s, you know. Love the um, fact, I love the fact that Dante is his canary. It's like, it might not work. Get Joe Dante. Get, get Joe Dante to do it. See, see what happens. Joe Dante would go on to do Small Soldiers as yes, well. Yes, I love Small Soldiers. Yeah, I like that film. Um, like many 80s films, its initial response was lukewarm, but film the film would gain a cult status much later. Critics and fans did agree that the casting was bang on. Dennis Quaid and Martin Short delivering two styles of comedy that would mirror and match each other throughout its two-hour runtime. It made twenty million at the box office. Fortunately, there's no records to say whether or not that uh, broke even, um, and there's nothing on international sales. But it oh. was described as a moderate success by Warner Brothers. Dennis Quaid at the time was box office gold and a fan favorite. Martin Short was known for his work on SNL and Free Amigos, and Meg Ryan. Well, oh, I've got nothing here. <laughs> oh no, are you sure you're not reading the two thousands entry? <laughs> But her and Dennis Quaid would meet and fall in love and then get married after this Can movie. I just say that? I watched this film. I watched the first part of this film with Esther and Esther, you know, she was watching it. And then later on today, I stopped by my mum's house to have tea and we talked about it in a space. And she went, oh, Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan got married. And she went, what, based on this movie? Because I didn't see no fucking chemistry on that screen. And yeah. if Esther's having a go, you may. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty bad. Uh, it's so what is it about it's a cocky confident alpha male pilot who signs up to an experiment where he'll be miniaturised and injected into a rabbit it's not explained why <laughs> because just, of science science <laughs> it's to know if they can do it I imagine it's to advance medical procedures so that doctors and scientists can get into human patients and actually see what's going on so what is he he was like a fire pilot wasn't he mm. he was a fire pilot best of the best Probably didn't take orders that well. I couldn't get into Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> so I next, wish that next stage. I wish, 
Dennis Quaid, there's a backstory where he didn't get Tom Cruise's role. And he's like, fuck you, I'll go to Winner's Space. It would be better if he was he was the guy that got kicked off, Tom yeah. Cruise. It's just like, well, I'm going to go play with rabbits. <laughs> he goes in Martin Short. Tom Cruise just went in Goose. I mean, just. <laughs> However, um, after he's miniaturized, along with a tiny little submarine like vessel, um, think. You know, if you haven't seen this movie, think uh, Life Aquatic, think, uh, you know, the 10,000 Leagues Under the Sea vessel. Um, however, when the experiment is complete, a rival criminal science outlet <laughs> swarmed the lab intent on stealing this advanced technology. Lead scientist Ozzy makes a run for it with the syringe that has little Dennis Quaid and his little ship in it. And uh, being on the hot pursuit by a, a hitman, he does the only thing he knows to do is to get rid of it by injecting it into an innocent bystander. In this case, Martin Short, a hypochondriac down on his look, supermarket worker um, who's just been signed off on six. So that's the basic premise. Now you have Dennis Quaid inside Martin Short for this uh, adventure, a, a action adventure <laughs> that's about to ensue. So, uh, so if, if you don't understand it, think of like Microsoft, they're doing something and Apple just invade. That <laughs> so is awesome. When I was watching it, I was just thinking, is this like Apple when they bring out an iPad? It's because they've just invaded another company. <laughs> yeah, I like that though. I like the scientists are like, should we, should we be, you know, fuck it, wait till they've done it. And then we'll, then we'll just go rob it. <laughs> I love that. It it's was like, just, when you come up with a business plan for the board, it's like, we're just going to steal yeah, it. We'll just, like, yeah, right. we're, we're gonna, we'll just wait around. Um, if you don't believe us, check this out. Test pilot Tuck Pendleton wants to make history. Supermarket clerk Jack Putter needs Jerry, a vacation. That's not good. You know it's coupon day. Lieutenant Pendleton is about to be miniaturized, placed into this needle, and then injected into this rabbit. But something went wrong. about to get a new destination. Inside Jack Butter. I'm not a man. Somebody help me! I'm possessed! Jack's got twice the problems. But he's double the man. Bring your knee up right now! Can you go account? With Tuck on his side. And only 24 hours left for Jack to get out of danger. So that Tuck can get out of Jack. If incredible adventure is in your blood... Don't do anything weird in there, okay? Take a trip you'll never forget. Inner Space. If you're sat in the cinema and that trailer comes on, you're like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> can I just say that... <clears throat> In the world of podcasts, there's so many out there. Like, we did the Top Gun episode, and a lot of people did Top Gun. Ain't no fucker doing Inner Space. <laughs> no one saw this film and went, yes, people need to know about this film. <laughs> Someone right now is going, there's a reason why, why no one's done Inner Space. As they unsubscribe. <laughs> anyway, if you're a listener. Would you, would you, listen, right, you go by, it's early 1987. Yeah. You're in the cinema, that trailer comes up. Are you watching it? Do you know what? I think it's a change of the times, because I... You know, if I was in a cinema at that time, yes, because that film that we're laughing about now just seemed like normal. <laughs> Nowadays, it, it'd be so fucking bizarre. It'd be straight to Netflix. No one would watch it. So I, yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and it's a feat of filmmaking, to be fair. Like, I mean, I don't, like I said, there are miniaturized films and, and you know, big sets and the the playing around with that is, is, is something that cinema's used to. But 
you know, this is going inside Martin Short. Yeah. You know, floating around near the heart and the digestive system and behind the eyeball and near the ear and... The, the areas that you never thought you'd want to see. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> the, the forbidden plants. <laughs> <laughs> Places no one's ever been since. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I I, I, uh, I was quite excited to go back to revisit this one. So let's dive straight in with the movie itself. <laughs> so Inner Space, 1987, Dennis Quaid, Martin Short, Meg Ryan, Robert Picardo, Star Trek fans. Uh, mate, don't get me started. He's one of the. Th- he's been in three series because he's most famous for being the holographic doctor in Star Trek Voyager. Then he appears in the Star Trek Next Generation film First Contact, where he's got to uh, distract some Borg. And then he shows up in Star Trek Deep Space Nine when they're thinking of changing the holographic doctor to that of Julian Bashir. But then it comes out that Julian Bashir was not a natural-born biological child. He was, in fact, like Khan, genetically engineered. And he was worried about this getting out there. So therefore, it comes out... Everyone on the crew finds out, but they accept him. What was the question? Inner space. <laughs> there you go. I was, I mean, was going to say all of that about, <laughs> about Robert Bicardo, you know, I think, uh, but you've done it. So we'll, we'll move on. We'll, we'll, move on. We'll, we'll move on. So let's set the scene. Film starts, title crawl. Let's go. We open to see some weird ass shapes and colors while grand music plays. What could it all mean? Quite surreal opening. I like it. Is it space? It, what, are we already inside Martin Short? We're, we're seeing a close-up of something. It's kaleidoscopic. Ooh, it's What's dancing. happening? Dancing shapes, mate, and colours. Teasing you. Mm. Zooming out, we realise it's ice. Sat in a glass of whiskey for all-American hero, former fighter pilot, Tuck Pendleton. I tell you, the hero is that bartender. <laughs> you ever been to a place where you've got a glass of whiskey like that? Christ. <laughs> fucking That's open mate. bar, I tell you. Hey, did you know this is played by Dennis Quaid, who is looking for a place to take a piss. <laughs> and he found the right film. <laughs> Instead of pissing himself, he pisses over the entire room when he gives a speech about how fucking great he is and how he got passed over to be a NASA pilot for all of these other Top Gun rejects. There's our hero. There's the guy we're supposed to root for. <clears throat> so he's in there, he's giving a speech about how he, you know, he's done the impossible, but he doesn't get to fly spaceships. So these NASA pilots take exception to this and act as all rational men of science do. And they drag him into the kitchen to beat the piss out of him. <laughs> I like that about 80s movies. It's like, <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't beat him up on the floor. Take him to the kitchen. Take him to the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, the chefs are just like, fuck, I'm working. I'm literally the only one working. But also because he's our main guy and he's got to be cool, he obviously takes a few of them out before the numbers game. It's always the numbers game. That's they I would have had you. I would have had you. Yeah. Exactly. But he is saved by his only friend, Pete, who fucking hates him. Yeah. <laughs> Love that part, Pete. Don't even try to hide Pete's the fact a tank, mate. He lifts Dennis Quaid off the floor. And his off, on and off, reporter girlfriend, Lydia, played by Meg Ryan. Wow, it must have been the A. I I know. Favourite Meg Ryan film? Uh, I, 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 do you know what? She's got undeniable chemistry with Billy Crystal. I probably, I'm just, you know. I was, right. so was going to say, maybe for me, you've got male. I, do you know what? I, I just I, like the context of that film. Yeah. I just, Meg Ryan's not bad. It's just like future films were just not kind to her. They didn't use her in the right way. And then we as a society just clawed her to pieces. She, I don't think she helped herself though. Like infamous no. interviews with like Parkinson. Like yeah, she was, she was yeah. one of the first, like certainly from my memory, I'm certain like, you know, in, in like, but from me growing up, she was this the first awkward guest on a TV yeah. show that I remember watching thinking like, oh dear. Did haunt her for a while. Because when you think about it, it's the first thing where like, I was like, I'm just trying to get an answer for you. I'm just trying to do a light-eyed interview. Could mm. we? No, nah, all right then. They go back to Tuck's apartment, the whitest male 80s apartment in film history. Oh, he's a pilot. <laughs> he is a pilot. Look at that room. It's like a dorm room. <laughs> he collapses drunkenly on Meg Ryan 
and passes it off as him being drunk. But we know. <laughs> it was the 80s. At least he didn't follow her into a bathroom. That's just... <laughs> I know, yeah. Already he's got one up on Top Gun. But exactly. The, the room is a bit weird, isn't it? Like, they set up that Dennis Quaid is like the... Um, I don't know what they set him up as. Like, well, like... 80s weren't afraid to do that. Like, you know, make your, your hero an arsehole or not, yeah. not, not someone that you aspire to be. John McClane, you know, estranged from his wife, you know, stubborn. Uh, looking at John Carpenter going on to do Big Trouble in Little Chantown, you look at Kurt Russell's character in that, the trucker, I forgot his name. Um, but, you know, also not the heroic, like, person that you aspire to be. Off, quite often, it's the right person in the wrong situation kind of scenario, yeah. isn't it? But certainly nothing from this film so far, you're like, He's, I want to be dead as Quaid. Yeah. Look at his apartment. Look at that place with all its crappy robotics and rabbits everywhere. He can't be asked to open his own alcohol and he has a machine do it. But that fucks it up. Mm. Doesn't come up again. Like, like also, he's a fine pilot. What? Point or drink? <laughs> Just, it seems so unnecessary to yeah. do this. Um, while this thirty-something-year-old man has to, do, uh, sorry, while this thirty-something-year-old man has what I can only assume is a midlife crisis, Lydia wants to know what is up with all this creepy rabbit shit. Like, seriously, if it's a rabbit, Tuck's got it. Like the six-year-old boy he mentally is. Like to the point that his next, his next uh, thing is rabbits. Mm. So he's got pictures of a rabbit, the biological system of a rabbit. 14, like, pictures of Bugs Bunny, which makes no sense. Yeah. It's like, how does that help you get to the esophagus? It's a Bugs Bunny toy. Yeah, that is a bit weird, isn't it, as well? It's like, also the fact that it's just everywhere. It is everywhere. It's it's like on the sofa, it's near the TV, it's on the coffee table. It's like, just be tidier, Dennis Quaid. But we get it. As audiences, we're supposed to go, I think rabbits are going to come into this at some point. <laughs> well, she goes to leave, but Tuck manipulates her further by playing their song, which means it's time to regret some choices. Mm, that alcohol's kicking in. <laughs> Do you have a song? What I love about it is as well, she surrenders immediately. He plays and she's like, oh, I've got, I guess I got to sleep with you. Then it's the rules. <laughs> Maybe he's hypnotised into that song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you play backwards, it's just like, sleep with me. <laughs> well, the next morning, Lydia is trying to leave in a taxi, but Tuck catches up to her in nothing but a towel and is a massive arsehole, exclaiming that she'll be back soon because she needs him. But Lydia's not falling for it this time, mate. Not oh, mate, she's a strong, independent woman. But I do I do like that scene, like, because it is, it goes, because I didn't really think there were, there were an item yeah. And, you know, and, and when, because normally in that kind of scene, she's like, I'm going home. And he's like, no, stay. And, you know, it's like, no, I'm going home. You know, this one, it got a face to black next day. She obviously did stay. And then, yeah, her running over to the cab, she's like, I'm fucking out of here, mate. That yeah. taxi driver as well. Yeah. But Joe Dante is always in Joe Dante's film. Small yeah. soldiers, gremlins. He's always there. I, I was going to get the same, but then I forgot. <laughs> but he's a, he's a guy in Terminator, isn't he? He's like, oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger good. walks. He's like, I want to see that shotgun. Yeah. Do you want some bullets as well? <laughs> and then when he gets shot, he's surprised. <laughs> It's funny you mention that because there's a lot of there's a lot of these kind of actors that appear in this, and one of them comes up later, and I, I refuse to learn his name, and you'll get his tagline soon. Mm. Um, she oh, pie- oh, also oh. Dennis Quaid in shape. I would, yeah, that's a point that comes up in a sec. She pies him off because it's the eighties, and Meg Ryan will actually have a career this decade. <laughs> Tuck changes tactics, randomly telling her that he broke his toe, and somehow this is supposed to win her back. I fucking love the fucking marriage like vows. Like, do you take this man in sickness and health, even if he hurts his toe? <laughs> Just like, yeah, it's fucking all over. How him. toxic is this bloke? <laughs> he gets drunk, seduces her with a song, it's and like, then he tries to emotionally, emotionally blackmail her to getting out of a taxi when she's trying to break away from a relationship. Yeah, she, she comes a heartbreaking line here because he even says it. There's actually okay dialogue here where he says, I got drunk and made an arsehole of myself. 
this is what I do. And she's like, it hurts me to like you now. It's like, yeah, because you're a toxic person, Talk. Yeah. Also, your name is Talk. <laughs> let's, let's just take that for a minute. They were like, saw this kid, they were like, Talk, that'll do. He looks like a Talk. <laughs> <laughs> just looks like an arsehole. <laughs> it, is, it is weird, isn't it? 80s hero, there you go. Um, I'm certain by the end of this movie, he won't be any of those things, James. <laughs> um, but fuck that, it's time to expose yourself to the neighbours. As the cab drives away, it rips off Tuck's towels, exposing his inner spaces. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Pete. See you later. Um, right. Um, he's so he is in shape and he's left there. But he, he's, he's the sort of person that was trying me as in, in the middle of San Francisco naked. He's quite happy. Yeah. It's like, you can all have a look. San Francisco, what a backdrop for a movie. He is pretty good. I, I always find it... What's weird is I didn't realise it was San Francisco till later. A villain is stood next to the bridge. It's like weird San Francisco. If you hadn't, if, it's not come up yet. Oh, I, I like. I, I just thought because San Francisco is always that yeah, the hilly good. place. So it just takes you straight back to the rock. You oh, know, like the, the tram scene. But also, just point it out there. Just point it out there. Ant Man was set in San Francisco. I think this movie had something oh to do with God, it. Oh my God, that's amazing. I know. Every other Avenger movie is set on uh, on in New York. Or it was at that time. And man, specifically San Francisco. Apparently Venom's there as well, isn't he? Yeah, who cares? Is, is, what's yeah. that got to do with miniature Exactly. <laughs> hey. A few months later, Hold we... On. No. Tom Hardy went in someone. <gasps> someone went in him. him. It's all connected. It's somehow. I'd love, <laughs> love to see that extended universe right up. When the crossover between fucking inner space and Venom. <laughs> a few months later, we meet hypochondriac Jack Putter, who works as a till cashier at the grocery. He is talking to his doctor who diagnoses his latest symptoms as being allergic to hairspray. Hmm. What a piece of dialogue. No matter. <laughs> I, I'm sure I'll come from You were a Martin Short fan? I, I, at this time, yes. Yeah. And, and I think he disappeared for so long and he randomly just shows up. At, like Now he's back, but only his like, bit parts. Yeah, I mean, he's in only Murders in the Building, isn't he? With, oh. Um, with oh, what's his name? Martin. I can't have you. I'm sorry. Steve Martin. Oh, Steve Martin. He's with Steve Martin on that Disney show. Oh, okay. But for ages, like the only thing I could ever associate him with was Mars Attacks. Oh, I had like three amigos. Three, oh, I mean, after after oh, yeah. the 80s. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. He appears in some episodes, or maybe one episode of Arrested Development. And then mm. for ages, I was like trying to work out where I knew him from. I was like, oh, Inner Space. Yeah. <laughs> the great film. Martin Short. He's great in this. He's really good in this film. I, mean, in a, I think Inner Space is uh, literally held up by his performance. I, yeah. think, I think Martin Short is actually phenomenal. And weirdly, he got charisma with a guy inside him. Mm. Who's obviously, and that's not me being a dick. Presumably Dennis Quaid's not on set acting to him. And also, I don't want to say this, but Dennis Quaid does a good job of acting against nothing. Yeah. Which is weird because now that's how you do films. Like mm. you have Sir Ian McKellen having breakdowns because he's not acting against anyone for the first Hobbit film. Um, He's talking to his doctor who died. Oh, basically, yeah, he's got a hairspray. Uh, uh, what do you call he's it? He's had an allergic reaction to allergic hairspray, reaction, potentially. The doc- we certainly get the idea that he's a hypochondriac. The doctor recommends a holiday after Jack explains his latest nightmare, which is a red-headed woman coming in. Her shopping is incorrect and every item is priced very high. She is unhappy with this and he brings out, brings out of a handbook a small gun and Jack wakes up screaming. What an odd piece of information to get at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. The next scene is Pete in a car with the guy who died first in arachnophobia <laughs> discussing the secret oh, miniaturization. Yeah. That's literally it. I was like, where is that guy from? Yeah. Didn't even have to Google it, mate. Got it. He dies. He dies in the opening credits of arachnophobia. They're discussing the secret miniaturization project. When Pete finds out that Tuck is the pilot, we get an oddly familiar speech. Turns out that Tuck is the best pilot there is, but he doesn't do well with authority. He's a drunk. He'll never beat Iceman. He killed Goose. Oops, wrong film. <laughs> but the content is pretty much the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I like about this, so 
Dennis Quaid arrives at what I can only describe as Skynet HQ. Yep. Skynet HQ. Yep. Uh, and he like kisses a woman on arrival, which I'm pretty certain HR would have an issue with. No, 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 no. Jeez. But then also... He was, he was white. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> this is your hero, James, as well. Remember? This, is, this is the guy that's just proclaimed his love to, to, um, to Meg Ryan. Yeah, fucker. Yeah. <laughs> He's moved he, on he quick, hasn't he? He broke his toe. Move on. <laughs> He's not limping. <laughs> well, it's time for Tuck to do what we've all wanted to do when looking at Dennis Quaid and slam that face as I was <laughs> The Pendleton. Tuck Pendleton. Zero defects. Look again. <laughs> <laughs> um, he walks to the ship and starts to make out with hot women and smile at the nerds in glasses and bow ties. The head of the program, Ozzy, begs to go over the plan again, but Tug ignores him because why wouldn't he? It's not important or anything. Odd, oddly enough, that's the cinematographer playing Oz. Is it? Yeah. That's weird. It is, isn't it? Like, generally, that's just weird. It, There's yeah. nothing you can do with that. <laughs> it's just, just weird. It's like in a movie, you're like, that's, Robert, that's Roger Deakins. Why? I why? don't know. No. I don't know. He's just there. Ozzy starts recording himself explaining the experiment while Tuck plays with the little buttons. Turns out that it's piss easy to shrink someone. You only need one microchip. Don't worry about it. But to enlarge yourself, that's why you need actual science. <laughs> uh, because apparently to enlarge yourself, you need a second chip, but there's only one in existence. Funny thing to mention. Forget about it. Probably won't come up again. <sighs> I do like this whole scene. Like the chaoticness. Like the 80s did this brilliantly. And the only, the only one better than the laboratory in the 80s was the newsroom. Mm. If you wanted like sweaty people, cigarettes, like paper flying everywhere, people calling over five desks deep, like, you know, I need that by three o'clock now, you know, kind of the newsroom, you know, in the, in the 70s and 80s was like chaos. Yes. And science laboratories are often the same thing. A load of people walking around. There's a countdown for some reason, like something's about to explode. Hey, I need that thing. You got yeah. that thing for me? Clipboards, you know, there's someone's always eating, you know, that kind of thing, even though it's in a lab. But I, I, I quite like this scene. As as the miniaturization begins, it does quite look, it does look good. It's it like when we revisited Ghostbusters as part of this podcast. That would have been good for 200 episodes. Yeah, it's, Ghostbusters. It's too late now. <laughs> too late, we've done it. <laughs> yeah, I went back Don't to have that. time to go watch Ghostbusters now. Like, what are we doing in this space? We're committed. <laughs> I, I quite like the the set design and the the you know the props that would have gone into, you know, all the flickering lights, all the papers whooshing everywhere and you know the chaos, the strobe lighting as the as the as the thing happens, which in this case is miniaturizing Quaid. What I love about it is, but it's the extra pieces. Like there's the machine that takes again. We get this thing with the machine that's so extra; it takes ages to put the microchip in the machine. Mm. You've got Ozzy, who it's amazing because I thought Ozzy did a really good job. He like he finds some notes that he should have received. He's like. You should have. Had, these should have been on my desk last week, and the, the guy doesn't know how to respond. He's like, uh, and, he's, and then he's like, "You got any more papers?" Right? Yeah, <laughs> like, there is I, some great comedy in this. That that was one of the moments. Like, I just love. There's a coupon line coming up in a minute, which I thought was fucking genius. But there are there. Are, <laughs> I there, do love that scene. Yeah, there are there are a couple of lines in this that are so deadpan, you know. And that's that's one of them scenes. But yeah, I like I like all this bit. It, looking at it as well, the movie's two hours long. Is yeah, and I was like, we're you know, two hours is pushing it. This is a scene really where they could take some minutes out because they really, but then I, they they show off the laboratory and the and the, but without giving you any science. Yeah, there's no well, like, oh, this it. is how we figured it out. Just flash to a computer screen with numbers on yeah. it. Fuck it. <laughs> but then actually, I quite like that because films like. The Tomorrow War with Chris. He tried uh, to explain that. You couldn't give it to Well, he, start, he starts studying and goes, yeah, but why can't we do this? Don't question it. <laughs> just, <laughs> shut up. Stop it. Do you mean a Chris Pratt movie? Yeah, <laughs> I, I quite like that about this one is it's just like, 
you know, we've got the technology, we're going to do it. And you get this kind of great sweeping shot, seeing like all the mechanical devices as they're, you know, going to, because this is it. This is the thing that people want to see. They want to see Dennis, like when you go see Superman, you want to see Superman fly. That's the point. Yeah. This is the big scene, isn't it? This is where they're going to put the most amount of, um, in terms of setup in the first act. And I, and I quite liked it. No, I, 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 I never thought of this. And it's something we always talk about. I love set designs. I'm a great fan of practical effects. And the, and I've never been a fan of CGI, but where the, the computer-generated effects work so in sync in this entire film, it's a bit of spoilers, but they use it to their advantage so well mm. that this is actually, I think, ahead of its time. Yeah. Um, seconds after Tunk, oh, fuck's sake, Tuck is shrunk down to the size of an Ant's Adam's apple, some workmen come in to fix the phone lines. The security guard uses his phone to ask if there's anything wrong with the phone. Fucking line. love that. He deserves to die. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, he thinks someone goes, Do you know anything about the phone lines? We're like, No. It's like, you just rang him. Like, if you'd used a radio, it would have made more sense. Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. He goes, goes in, oh, we're criminal. So this is this is like die hard, isn't it? When they, when they yeah. kind of go in and they've got, they've got to swarm the building very quickly. And yeah, you screw, I mean, he shouldn't have a job in the security, should he? He's like, oh, we're here to fix the phone line. Hold on, I've got to make a call. <laughs> yeah, they're here to fix the phone. They don't know anything about it. Probably because they just rang them. Yeah. If he slowly like put the phone down as if he just worked it out, that's why. But he hangs up and he goes, like, I don't yeah, know, I don't know, no one knows anything. So I'm thinking this guy deserves to die, but this is a PG, so he can only get a face full of gas, <laughs> which yeah. is weird because as a kid, I remember it being a massacre. Yeah. <laughs> just you, like they come in and they fucking bazooka everyone. He fire extinguishes him. He fire extinguishes him. Everyone, mate. Orange jumpsuits as well, inconspicuous. No one will remember that. <laughs> what do they look like? I don't know. Um, the intruders come in and knock out all the scientists, except Ozzy, who has escaped the lab with the syringe that is housing the miniature ship containing Tuck. Mm. Ooh. I sorry, again, I love that there's a rival science gang. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, like, like this is some weird, like, Grease musical. Yeah. It's like they're coming clicking. Like, <laughs> Just looking. Can't kill anyone though. No, you can't. Yeah, <laughs> but they're just like you know, we're scientists as well, and we just we want to steal what you've you've created. What I love about it is it's not based in any form of reality. It's just like like afterwards you go, well, they stole our microchip. These are mm. this is like a pattern. This is everything we can prove that we did it. So can we have it back, please? Yeah, like, we've got. Yeah, like, we've got no. painting on this <laughs> shit. It's just like this guy's go. I ain't got it. <laughs> 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 yeah. He's like, I don't know what you're about. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. But the thing is, not to jump ahead here, James. Mm. Not to spoil things. Yeah. But they have the technology because they've got the other ship. No, no, don't. Do you remember, anyone can shrink. In this world, it's this easy to shrink. I could shrink you right now. Okay, what? <laughs> it's, it's making you big again. That's the All problem because right. they need the second ship, which is on the ship. Do you, were you not listening? I, I was, but so, I, was, I was blown away, James. <laughs> I'll be honest, as a kid, as a kid, I never understood the point of the second ship. So when, spoilers, they get the second man in, I was like, I don't, I, what? I know. <laughs> it's like, why? Is it because he just doesn't like him? And he's like, I, don't, I want to make sure that you never come out. <laughs> um... Oh, hunting yeah. Aussie is a hitman with a changeable hand called Mr. Igo, who I'll be honest, terrified me as a kid. I, oh, just, I, I think he's the least scary thing. I <laughs> know. Oh, no, oh, no, now. Oh, yeah. As, no, I, I like the interchangeable hand idea. Like that straight up Bond villain right there. It Henchman. Is, it is at the same time, but but get better hands because he's got, so he's, his index finger is stuck out as, and it's, as we learn later, it houses a bullet and he can mm. shoot from it. In hindsight, I'll get gone. <laughs> just you can do more. Yeah. You get more bullets. Yeah, that, And that... also imagine in a gunfight, he has to he has to reload his hand constantly. <laughs> right fucking point. <laughs> or he wipes his ass by mistake, uses his arm and ends up shooting himself. Well, no, for that, he, <laughs> he, he, he attaches his sponge hands. 
Sorry, he doesn't use his gun hand to wipe his ass. That would be stupid. Uh. I'm sorry, sorry, Mr. Igo from Clan, you're an idiot. <laughs> do you like that scene when he fires out his finger? And it um, just turns to a kid. Yeah, and, but, but he looks at the camera. This is just a moment where he's looking at the camera, going, "That's right, fucking gun finger." <laughs> oh, as Ozzy runs away, uh, the force knocks Tuck out. Ozzy outmaneuvers Mr. Igo when he's on a, so he grabs a bike and uh, Mr. Igo's in a car chasing him down. But Ozzy does this great thing that he probably learned from Star Wars. He just turn. <laughs> basically, every time Mr. Igo's near him, he's just like, left turn. He's like, ah, fuck it, he's done me again. Also, that chase, that bit where he's running and the car's chasing him and they're running down that, um, that what looks like a kind of LA dried out river duct. Yeah. Terminator 2, I'd yeah, say James yeah. Cameron was watching that going, fucking hell. <gasps> well, I've got to have a piece. I'll have a piece of this. <laughs> mm. say, in a space, it all started here, mate. Ozzy makes it to the mall where he's shot by Mr. Igo's finger blaster. <laughs> <laughs> I put finger blast in my notes as well. <laughs> um, he runs into Jack, who is just in the mall buying a holiday, and Ozzy's last act before dying is to inject Jack in the arse with the syringe. Then dies in a horrible way. His last image is a load of fucking furries standing around looking at him. That's the scariest thing in the fucking film. Yeah. If, you, if you woke up and there was nothing but people in furry suits, you'd be like, no, don't no, put me back. <laughs> I want to go back to death. I know. Just, it, I mean, th- th- so this is act one, isn't it? We've got there. Wait, wait, We've got no, to the bit no, we no, need to. We need to know more, mate. If you didn't know Mr. Igo was evil, as he leaves, he pops a balloon. Bastard. Oh, he does, yeah. <laughs> just, so extra, mate. That's, that's, needs, the, that's because, the full stop at the end of Act 1. Because if he's just shot a man, it's like, he might still be good. No, pops that balloon. <laughs> Finger banging all over that mall, I tell you. Um, I, I like this bit. Dennis, uh, sorry, Martin Short is in the wrong place at the wrong time. He's at the mall. He's booking a holiday. The doctor's told him, yeah. you've got to relax. You've got to, no fun. Just just do something. Just relax. Chill out. Creepiest fucking holiday agent. It's like, get you some romance. He's like, as long as it's not too hot. It's mm. like, the guy's like, oh, don't you want to bang bitches? It's like, no, I would have gone, what don't you understand about relaxing holiday? It's not a new premise. <laughs> we go sit in the sauna and do fuck all. All inclusive, mate. Grease. Grease. Set it up. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, so I, I like this as well. The elevator is such a good um, good plot device for that, isn't it? Like the scientist is going up, Oz is going up, he needs to get rid of this syringe, opens the door, it's just the first person in front of him. Yeah. What's really surprising out of this, let's say I'm at my local uh, supermarket, mall, uh, shopping centre, yeah. waiting for the lift. Mm. I tend to use the stairs, James, I like to get my steps in. Yeah. But I'm waiting, door opens, sweaty scientist, stumbles out, he's been shot. And he ejects me. Yeah. First place I'm going is the doctor's. Yeah. Not Martin Shaw. He goes to Sainsbury's, <laughs> he mate. Goes to, he goes to work. <laughs> now, I've called him work for a lot less than that. <laughs> but, but can you imagine the guy near the end? He's like, I can't come into it. What? Someone's just injected me yeah, in the so, arse. With what? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, just, I don't know. That could be anything. Imagine going to A&E. Like, what are you here for? I got ejected <laughs> in my someone, bum. Someone put something in my arse. <laughs> well, what is it? I don't know. Who was it? Yeah, I he, don't know. You just put that right. Please leave. Yeah. <laughs> you need to do the test. I need to know what he put in me. <laughs> right. Jack's got no time because he's late for work. He opens up cashier five. Uh, he opens up cashier where he, where the girl he fancies is bagging groceries. Oh, sorry. But the, and so she's the, not interested in, but, but let's go back to, because I've worked in retail. Yeah. It's coupon day. It, I fucking love that. <laughs> I love that. He walks in and his boss is like, you're late. It's coupon day. I fucking have. I love the fact it's like, it's coupon day. You But it's not that. It's, I've been the woman. Uh, sorry, the, the woman comes up to him randomly. I, I've been the manager of situations where someone just throws something in his face and goes, smell this. And I remember an argument with someone, she's like, smell this. I was like, why? It's went, because it's, it's not right. I was like, I'll give you a refund. She went, smell this. I'm like, I've still given you the refund. I'm not smelling your fucking gone off chicken. She's like, you sold this. I was like, I don't understand what you want from me. I've given you a refund. Please yeah. fuck off. 
I, oh, that comedy genius, that scene. Is Martin it? Short just plays it so well as, you know, because he's slapstick. You know, Martin Short has the the over-the-top caricature kind mm. of role, hasn't he? You know, he's the guy that's going to fumble, stumble, and uh, he's the fish out of water. This isn't a world he belongs in, you know, being chased by a gunman and, and having, you know, little Dennis Quaid inside him. But the... Uh, the, so the two styles of comedy between that and Dennis Quaid, who's very deadpan, you yeah. know, and very sarcastic, they work really well. But Martin Short in this scene, when he fucking stumbles into work, put his apron on, his, his boss goes, you're late, it's coupon day. <laughs> <laughs> no made jokes like that nowadays. No. Innocent. It's innocent. No yeah. one's heard it. Yeah. But meanwhile, Jack has woken up. Sorry, Tuck has woken up and he's decided he needs to make contact. He needs to follow through. He's, he's lost into, he's like, what are these fat cells? I love the fact he's judging this rabbit. It's <laughs> not fat cells. These shouldn't be here. Well, fuck fat off, shaming dude. a rabbit. <laughs> fat shaming a rabbit from inside the rabbit. It's a bit of a dick move. I, I like this as well. That um, so so this is it. This is this is what you pay dollar for. You pay for this, Martin. Sh- <laughs> no, 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 you pay for this. <laughs> Dennis, Dennis Quaid is now. We get to see it. We get to see cinema. You know, and the technology at that time showing us what no film had really shown at that point is inside, inside an ass. <laughs> yeah, inside inside an ass in them fat cells. Find me a film that's done it. The Rock's not been here. Right? And he's been everywhere. He's been a helicopter pilot. He's never been in Martin Shaw's arse. <laughs> that's true. But- Dennis Quaid was first and last. <laughs> he signed his initials in there. Like but- uh, this is the fun. This is this is this is it now. Dennis Quaid is in this little mining vessel starting in, in Martin Short's butt and just working his way through the body via the bloodstream. I know we're going to jump bits, but you know this. This is why I wanted to watch this movie. I wanted to see if it held up. Yeah, the yeah. the you know when he because vi- I I can remember he visits the heart at one point. He has to go to the eyeball to see what Martin Short's seeing. He has to go to you know the uh, the digestive system and there's the green bile and acid in mm. there. I wanted to see way way more of this. Him tunneling around, getting from A to B, being like. I've got to get to the ear <laughs> quick <laughs> via the supina vena cava or whatever, you know, it is to get to it. And the real I, MVP of the story is the autopilot because the autopilot immediately recognizes it's not in a robot and just goes, because it talks having an argument. It goes, well, I don't know where we are. And the autopilot's like, well, I'll fucking get you there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do all the work, you prick. And what I love about this is well, on board this ship, <laughs> on board this ship, he has a he has a device that he can plug into the eardrum so he can talk to the host. Yeah. So he was planning on talking to the rabbit. <laughs> just Dennis Quaid speak rabbit. It's fucking funny, because I've got up here. Right. Yeah. I love it when you and I are in sync. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, basically, he starts to, he starts, he's, continuing, he's starting the job that he was because he doesn't know. He, he's confused where he is, but he's going to start a job. One of them is doing something electrical to try and contact, uh, start communication. But this place with the electrical system, possibly nearby Jack. Meanwhile, Jack is serving the lady from his nightmare and the register is well fucked up and all aspects of the nightmare come true. Mm. Everything she scans is like £9,000. He's freaking out. People start to blame him. She says, that's a bit expensive and pulls out a gun. Like the dream. Oh my God, exactly like the dream. But it's to light her cigarette. What I love about this is, nowadays, it would have been more socially acceptable for her to pull out a gun in America <laughs> <laughs> and shoot the place off as opposed to just light a cigarette, which, yeah. which if she'd done, she'd been stoned out of the building. But, you know. Yeah, but they're bringing, they're bringing a law about smoking in the building. They probably won't bring in a law about guns. <laughs> oh, sorry, is it- have we gone political? Have we, have we, have we <laughs> no, no. George's episodes, we've gone political. <laughs> uh, the manager and backpacker blame Jack because that makes no sense. But why does Jack keep scanning? <laughs> why does he scan the toothpaste? It's like 8,000 pounds. He's like, best kind of project. So, so now at this point, I'm thinking, 
Martin Shaw's psychic. Well, that's funny because then I've got it's odd. Also, fucking Jack is clairvoyant and can see the future. <laughs> that never comes up again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he can see the future. It's weird, isn't it? It's so weird that everything is spot on. Don't worry about it. Never comes up. Meanwhile, <clears throat> Tuck just starts slashing holes into veins and arteries and uh, heads to what he thinks is the rabbit's eye. <laughs> What about this? Doesn't give a flying fuck about the damage yeah. he does in there. Fuck it. I'll just, I'll just go as the crow flies. I'm just going to go fucking straight to the eyeball. And he attaches a machine thingy that lets him see what Jack sees. This causes Jack a lot of pain when he's in the room with Wendy and his boss. It's pretty good where the boss is just like doing, doing things that we did as children, like circling his ear to imply that he's crazy, which doesn't happen nowadays. Mm. It, it's, it really is a callback to when I was a kid and mm. the world that we lived in. What a horrible and dark place it was. Um, talk. <laughs> God, I'm proud of this next line. No, I'm not because it's just funny. Um, <sighs> talk realizes he's in a strange man. Probably not for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Being, uh, bearing in mind he studied rabbits for so long, you would have thought he'd realised he was not in a fucking bunny. Turns out having lots of Bugs Bunny merchandise wasn't really research. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Jack realises he's a man, it's time to talk to this man, so he heads to the ear. <laughs> but I don't know, but it's like you said. What I've got here is, don't know why he'd have this equipment, but no he was going in a rabbit. Did he think he'd talk back to him? <laughs> How great would it be if he did that? The rabbit's like, hello, what? <laughs> you tricked me. <laughs> Dennis Quaid just starts... Like chomping out bits of rabbit speech. Like that would, that would be, you wouldn't see that coming. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> uh, turns out Mr. Igo had stolen a man's camera, a man who took very helpful and detailed photos of Jack being injected, his name badge, and everything you would need to locate him. <laughs> That's lucky. Um, Jack sees his doctor while Tuck tries to communicate with him. Uh, the pretty funny interactions here, but, and this is Martin Short's comedic style. So Tuck's talking to him. He's like, hello, but he's in an elevator. No one's talking, so he's, he's unsure. He's sat in the doctor's surgery, and there's like, can you please talk to me? Can you, cause now he, they can both hear each other. They can both communicate, but obviously people outside of Jack's body <laughs> are unaware that talks inside him. Yeah. So there's a great scene between three characters where they're all like, they're having a conversation. I think it's actually well-written well. It's very faulty towers. It Monty is. Python, yeah. Isn't it? That scene. So that's such a good way of putting it. Yeah. He's, he's sat there in a conversation to the voice in his head and the two characters either side of him think they're talking to him. And it's, it is, um, this is where Marshall is in his element and that SNL training comes in because that is a skit. Yeah. And and it ends brilliantly with Martin Short just standing up and he goes, I think I'm possessed. And it's just a really good, really good scene. Well, the doctor gives him the explanation that he's not possessed because he would be more grander or something. Like. I thought, right, this is, so then when he goes into the GP's office, the doctor then walks in and finds him for some reason sat with his legs in the air. Yeah. Just, like, he's not in the gynecology office. You know. hypertension or something. But in the, uh, the, 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 the doctor says, and this is again, the dark comedy, the brilliant deadpan comedy. He says, as if it is scientific fact, he says, um, demons talk through, not to you. <laughs> like, so you're fine. Please yeah. Leave. He was upset. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fucking fact. You idiot. Um, <laughs> it blinds talk by basically shining a torch in his ear. And this makes talk silent for a bit because in this time, Jack goes home. Um, Jack runs home and ignores Tuck. He watches TV. Well, Tuck doesn't like that, and he blows up Jack's TV like an absolute cock. And this amazing power doesn't come up again, so don't think this helpful tactic will show up at any point during this film when he's literally having a fight. Yeah. <laughs> this, this power where he can somehow destroy TV from outside the body. Again, how is that going to come up when you were testing a rabbit? Yeah. I don't understand. Maybe because the rabbit was then going to be part of a magician's trick. <laughs> 
And, and what the audience don't know is the audience don't know is Dennis Quaid is in the rabbit about to blow some shit up. Mate, that would be amazing. So if anyone hasn't seen this film, this this scene basically. So he goes through that thing. It's the, it's the moment where you don't believe the person. He's like, I'm yeah. just going to go watch TV. And he starts arguing with the TV because I said, well, we shouldn't have got that wrong. Basically talk. He's not having it. No. Yeah. So he's in his apartment, Martin Short is, and he's ignoring the voice in his head, thinking it is a demon. It is a, just a voice. He's having a psychotic breakdown. So from inside Martin Short, Dennis Quaid's like, fuck this TV and blows it up <laughs> using some <Twice>. weird, yeah, <laughs> so, some weird like device on the ship, which you write later on in this movie. Martin Short will have guns pulled on him and also and will be kidnapped. And you think, oh, I could really use that fucking sonic wave blaster thing you've got. I hope you didn't use it exploding something that you'd already exploded. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, it's, maybe it's because Dennis Quaid wasn't at the eye at that point. <laughs> and he needs to be he needs to be at the eyeball. He to needs be able to, to it. see it. Yeah. Except for he was in the ear at this point. Maybe he needs to hear it. You gotta trust me, Martin. You gotta trust me what? Put your trousers yeah. down. Aim your, your ass. Aim <laughs> your ass at the villain. <laughs> just, just do it. <laughs> my, my shirt's like, I'm not fucking doing it. No, again. So just trust me. <laughs> Pull your cheeks apart. <laughs> I've been burnt before. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why we're doing Inner Space. <laughs> oh, that would, mate, what an ending. Oh. What an ending to the movie, if that's just, what he did. Just... Yeah. 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 <laughs> what I love about this is we never get the premise of at the beginning when he shrunk so small that they actually find him <laughs> because yeah. it'd be great to like oh fuck <laughs> nobody moves yeah. <laughs> oh <laughs> Tuck finally convinces Jack that he's telling him the truth but there's very little time because there's a knock at the door and a hitman posing as a delivery man attacks Jack mm. oh with the advice of Tuck Jack is able to beat the hitman and evade Mr. Igo so um, Tuck's actually able to manipulate the physical attributes of Jack, which is pretty cool, which is something I didn't realise as a kid. He's able to, I know he doesn't in this situation, but later he basically massages his muscles and mm. gives him extra adrenaline. So we actually get the idea that he can physically change him, turning him into, you know, there's an actual aspect of it. He's a kid that I didn't even realise. Like I was watching this film, I was like, oh my God, I actually learned something from inner space. Yeah, he didn't, no science. No science, there. oh no, fuck that. I do um, like this hitman as well. He comes in and like, so they know his address because of the photo that they got developed. And yes. They and know his just name. So they don't know that he just bought a cruise though. And they, so he comes in posing as the courier with his cruise tickets. Yeah. And asks him to sign for them. I, I'd be like, fucking that's quick. I was literally just there. And, but also hands him a videotape. Now what was on that video, James? Well, he got ejected very far. Hmm. Could have been anything. Could have been anything. Um, I don't know. No, because it's Jack. I like Jack. Let's leave Jack alone. With the advice of Tuck, Jack is able to beat the hitman and vague Mr. Igo. The excitement has the blood pumping, putting Tuck in grave danger as he is caught up in the bloodstream and nearly enters Jack's heart. He heroically cuts another hole in Jack and yeah. saves himself right next to the heart as well. Yeah, he's like, fuck these arteries. You don't need this. <laughs> Just That's what we want. Jack goes to the original lab and runs into the friend of... Tuck called Pete. They eavesdrop on the conversation and Duck finds out that he only has till 9am the following morning and then's when he'll run out of air and die. They heroically let him die. I love that. Mm. I love the fact that Pete, I, I do what, I'm not actually even joking. Pete's like, we can't afford the second ship to fall into the hands of this other company. So we'll keep it and then we'll just, it will take us longer to develop a second ship, but at least we'll know that one person will sacrifice himself and we won't have this miniature army. Mm. Actually, that's something I do want to bring up. It's never really explained why. Why they've got the miniaturised... Why anyone wants it. It seems... 
I, I, I imagine the good guy scientists want it to radicalise and... Rabbit. And, well, <laughs> rabbits are obviously the test guinea test pig, but yeah. I, how fucking weird would that be if you went... like? So I had a hernia up years ago. Before the op, I, I went for a meeting with the consultant or the doctor. Um, you know, he tells me what he's going to do. And then four yeah. weeks later, I went and had the op. Can you imagine if you went to that meeting and he's like, right, what's wrong? I'm going to shrink, right? I'm going in you. I'm going to go in. I'm going to find that, whatever it is. And I'm going to take it out. And then, then I'm going to come out your ass or your belly button. I don't know. But somehow <laughs> so, I'm going to get so, out of there. Same your ass. <laughs> yeah. It is weird, isn't it? Like the idea, I think that's what the plan is, is that it's either to learn more about disease by going in and studying it. Or like some sort of microsurgery. Like yeah. Micro, microsurgery. That'd be insane. That would be insane. But they can't save talking time as the thief stole a second chip, which is what they need to... Because like I told you earlier, anyone can shrink anyone, mate. That's what, Kids are on the street corner shrinking and... <laughs> It's making big again. That's where they're going wrong. Jack runs out of the building guided by Tuck, who helps him escape and directs him to his apartment because they wouldn't think of looking for him there. He literally just told them that Tuck's inside me. He escapes with his car and his jacket. And goes, if we go to Tuck's house, nah, fuck no. it. He'll never go there. <sighs> Tuck forces Jack to drink some Southern Comfort so they can both get shit-faced. I don't like that. Mm. He forced him to drink, so he basically st- essentially sticks his hand out of a ship and grabs himself some second-hand Southern Comfort. I quite like that. Yeah, he sticks his hip flask out. I know a few hardcore drinkers that would do that. Yeah. You know, he sticks- we, we both know who yeah. it is. <laughs> <laughs> he sticks, <laughs> sticks his hip flask out, catches the uh, the drink as it goes down the, uh, the esophagus and then takes it back in. And then they have a moment together. They bond they over this. Jack checks out his apartment and asks him about Lydia while dancing like an absolute prick. But you know what? I like that. The un- It's like... Hypochondriacs finally just let loose. Mm. Again, big thing in the 80s, you know, get your lead character to dance, dance. to a hit at the time because oh, yeah. a lot of people, you know, the movies were vehicles for up and coming artists. And um, yeah, you, you look at everyone from Martin McFly, you know, to um, what's his name? Um, Tom Cruise, oh, yeah, you know, to dancing in through a scene in his underpants as a, as a promotional vehicle for the song. I quite like that with Martin Sheen and he's quite charismatic. It's when it cuts to Dennis Quaid grooving in the little submarine spaceship yeah, inside of him yeah, that he's just a bit like... You can't yeah. talk. Uh, Tuck realises he's been inside Jack for a while now but still hasn't seen his face. Probably not for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> What's Meg Ryan up to I hear nobody ask? <laughs> Well, she's investigating the murder of Ozzy, literally the only person that is, when she hears that the cowboy is in town, cut to a ridiculous man with a ridiculous accent, with ridiculous clothes, being ridiculous as ridiculous music plays. Yeah. Enter the cowboy. Inconspicuous. <laughs> the modern day cowboy. <sighs> Outside Lydia's work, she randomly bumps into Jack, who tries to convince her that Tuck has been kidnapped and only she can help. He talks to his penis in the bathroom. Oh, the A's. <laughs> that would never happen now. No. <laughs> No, I do like that bit though because after he urinates, he then goes, Jack. He goes, Yeah, I'm here. He's like, Oh, thank God. Yeah, that's, yeah that's actually that's a, quite a good joke. That actually. is quite good. Yeah. Again, a joke that I didn't get as a kid. Yeah. Um, but um, on his way back to the table, Jack is kidnapped by Mister Igo because he wouldn't stick out like a sore fucking thumb. He's placed in a freezer truck and driven out to meet the mastermind behind the microchip fear fest. <laughs> it would stick out like a like a sore gun thumb. <laughs> So, <laughs> FYI, uh, just for your information, uh, Lydia shoots him for reasons beyond my understanding. <laughs> she, she's got a taser, gives a big speech about, oh, I wouldn't do that, Mr. Igo. And then she shoots Jack. She's not even close. Yeah. Bad shot. <laughs> Bad shot. Um, it that, basically cuts the electricity because you need a reason why uh, Tuck can't help him out in mm. this fight. So that's how they go. But, but that, scene, that scene as well, you know, you got Meg Ryan kind of confronting 
uh, Martin Short. That's Jack, isn't it? Yes, yeah, Jack. Saying like, while you were in Tuck's car, you know, and then she's like, oh yeah, he's got a, he's got a suitcase in the trunk. Or oh, that might yeah. be later. But he's like, he's later, but he's got a suitcase in the trunk full of clothes in case you wake up where you don't know where you are. And it's he's like, like, oh, she knows about the suitcase. It's like, yeah, probably because you sound like an arse. Yeah, <laughs> husband material right there, right there. There's our hero. Oh, don't worry, he has his big moment later. Have we gone past the bit where Mister Igo uh, turns out that he's in a romantic relationship with? No, it comes up. Oh yeah, no, no it comes up. No, at this point, um, here we go. <laughs> Um, Jack is taken to Mr. Scrimshaw, who gets on board with Jack in the back of the freezer and talks north and talks nothing but balls. <laughs> I I like this because this is the eighties, right here. This is yeah, it's like just getting your car. <laughs> you need you need a mob leader who's an old white man with white hair. So why doesn't Mr. Igo hear about anything going on? Because he listens to fucking rap metal gospel music, the loudest music you can think of mm. on his headphones. He's bopping along. If you didn't think Mr. White was useless now, he definitely, <laughs> I told you before, he definitely is now. Um, I, I like this villain though. He's like, he's like, fuck it, I'll get in the meat truck with him. I'll just sit in the back there. I've got a coat. It's, it's, it's my winter coat. It's fine. <clears throat> Tuck comes too. <clears throat> so I was giving a speech. I do actually quite like speech. He G's up Jack so much that Jack is overcome with joy. Mm. overcome with power. He's got the adrenaline. He believes in what Tuck's saying about him. He stands up and he runs straight out of the fucking thing. And you hear Tuck go, not while the van's moving, you like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I quite like this. This is something Good that you scene. don't really see this much. A comedy kind of action scene where he's literally going to fall to his death, but through a series of Meg Ryan driving behind them, he's caught lots of shenanigans. It's like um, the motorcycle that goes between his legs, that type of thing. It's fun. Yeah, I like this. And again, it goes on a little bit too long. And because it's the 80s, a couple of the cuts you can tell is a stuntman. Yeah. But obviously, they're not ensured to have... Martin Short probably wouldn't want to yeah, hang off the side of a truck. For in a, this space. Yeah. It's like, maybe, maybe for the goddess. <laughs> it's not Armageddon. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I, I, this, this scene is good. You know, it's um, it, it, like it's that... He's playing into Martin Short's uh, wheelhouse now, the physical slapstick comedy. Yeah. Making light heart of a... What is otherwise in a PG, the scary scene. It's the, you know... You know, it's Martin Shaw is being held by the villains in the back of an ice truck and he's freezing. You know, it's it's to lighten up the mood, isn't it, a bit? Well, he, you know, Meg Ryan saves the day. He's great. In a massive tonal shift for the film, Lydia and Jack are on a stakeout waiting for the ridiculous cowboy to show up and Tuck has the audacity to scold Jack for checking out Lydia's legs. The woman he drunkenly assaulted earlier. Yeah. What a hero. Yeah, and cheated on. Yeah, it's just like, it's just like, oh. Don't check out her legs. Only I'm allowed to do that. Yeah. I'll move your fucking eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been amazing if he just slapped himself. It's yeah. just like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm in your hand, bitch. <laughs> just in case you've gone to the toilet or nodded off, we find Mr. Scrimshaw ringing his henchwoman, Dr. Kanker, who is busy trying out all of Mr. Igo's hand extensions. Didn't get that as a kid. Did you? Don't <laughs> see what he attaches, but no. you hear it vibrating. <laughs> he quickly re-explains the plot from his hideout, a derelict warehouse floor with only one eighth of it decorated with pink light and white furniture. The rest of his bed is so weird. That, again, that's odd, isn't it? It's so, it's like... Just don't zoom me, out. It's literally just like, get me Spider-Man. Yeah. But then zooms out, there's nothing there. It makes me think he's got quite a sad life. But it also deflates him as being a serious villain. Yes, you God, know? yes. So you get this, this and, great shot of him in his, in his, you know, behind his desk. Camera moves out and the rest of the room's empty. Like, it, it's funny. <laughs> But also kind of really displaces him now as a serious villain. 
See, this is something I didn't pick up when I was older. Um, Jack and Lydia have a moment, and it's a weird thing to watch a man be cuckolded while he's physically inside the man doing the cuckolding. <laughs> yeah. that's, I think that's like a subgenre of pornography. <laughs> that's so weird. Um, they in a space style at all. Yeah, they, they, do you know what he did? They run off to a nightclub to follow the cowboy where he bumps into his crush, Wendy. Lydia finds so she's that- back from the supermarket. Yes. She's the one who didn't show up to a date previously. Yeah. And now all of a sudden she sees Martin Shaw out. And she's like, oh, I want to bang you now yeah. because you're wearing two Pendleton suit and it's got magical powers. And she's crimped her hair. Yeah. Oh, she has crimped her hair. I, I, I spotted a crimp. It's the 80s, mate. I'll see a crimp. I'll spot a crimp. Lydia finds out all about the bad guy's plans and the cowboy takes Lydia back to his hotel room. Tuck stimulates Jack and bigs him up. Jack bursts into the hotel room and knocks the cowboy the fuck out. He fucking does, mate. Takes in swinging. I'd like to point out when he busts in the room, the cowboy actually, in my... In his defense, he's quite well. He's like, hey, Jack. Yeah, he's like, come on in. Don't, <laughs> don't wait. <laughs> he's like, Jack, he's just kicked the fucking hinges off this door. <laughs> Cowboy's in his fucking pants what, and his cowboy boots. What, what, what I love about it is that this is a game that we should play. And listeners, get involved. Why don't you listen to this? The Cowboy's got two rules when he's chatting on Meg Ryan. The first one is he never takes his boots off, even during sex, and then whispers the second rule into Meg Ryan's ear. But we never find out what it is. What is the Cowboy's second rule? <laughs> no one knows. Honestly, it's up there with the Colonel Sp- Spices. <laughs> Chicken salt and grease. <laughs> yeah, no one knows oh. the cowboy second rule. I, I imagine it is. I, I mean, if the first one's that he keeps his boots on during sex, mm. you've got to think the second one is is out there. <sighs> if he has to whisper it and it's too much for a PG movie. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be something. He's a sick fuck. He's a cowboy, mate. Yeah. It's like dress, dress up as a cow. <laughs> I like to shrink and go in people. That's going to come up soon. Um, right, so. I, by, by the way, even re-watching this this week, even at this point, I'm like, why is the cowboy in this movie? Why is this fit person? How, why has he come into the movie now? What is, what, what I don't, they don't set up why he's coming. Cause I thought he was like, they just, they, a henchman. I, I thought he was a buyer. I thought he was the buyer, but he's not mm. the buyer because he's the henchman as discovered later. You so know, I'm really confused by this point. I'm like, why are they knocking the shit out of this bloke who's in his pants? I, 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 do you know what? I've watched the film twice mm. in, in recent days. I still don't know. Well, anyway, they're in trouble. They we're going to use the cowboy, steal a microchip off him when he came back. I can't do that now because Jack's knocked him the fuck out. So what are they going to do? Well, talk. In, in, I'm going to be honest here. He fairly certainly doesn't have the scientific training to do this. He's got an idea. Mm. Jack, go look in the mirror. I'm going to try something. Jack's mm. like, do you know what you're doing? Cut to talk with a manual. and goes, yeah. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. What happens next is a scene where Tuck stimulates Jack's face to make it look like the cowboys. And then I've got here, I mean, what the fuck were they going to do with this fucking rabbit? <laughs> I, <yeah. laughs> like, seriously, what, seriously, what did they have in mind for this rabbit? Like, like what is going the fuck on? The, the, this reminds me of movies like Total Recall and stuff. Yeah, this this particular it. scene, like his head, Martin Short looks at the, the cowboy unconscious and then looks in the mirror and his face changes in such a great 80 sequence. Yes, just like air blower right in the face. Watch them puff them cheeks yeah, out. Son. Just rapidly move backwards and forwards, making a noise. And then what re-emerges is obviously um, the cowboy, but now as Martin Short. But um, Lydia, she never really questions this that much. The man was able to change his entire fucking face. She accepts it. <laughs> she's awfully cool with she's it she's awfully cool it's bearing in mind that she doesn't know the truth she mm. just thinks they're friends it's like this guy I just met oh you've radically changed your face she does at one moment she basically goes she thinks it's the cowboy it's like where's where's mine where's Jack and she's like I am Jack and she goes in and checks that sees that the cowboy's in the bath mm. 
She's fine with it. Yeah, <laughs> she's, she's fine with it after this. She doesn't know Dennis Quaid is inside no, my show at this point. She so thinks that he's not This guy anyone. that she's just met it's just it's knocked the shit out of someone changed. and took his face. Taking his face. <laughs> it's not even a face shot. That's so weird. He's just taking his yeah. face. Oh, they get picked up and taken to Mr. Scrimshaw. He is very close to finally getting his hands on the chip and saving the day. But, he's, but he has slightly different hair and his gold tooth fell out. So Scrimshaw decides to burn him. <laughs> yeah, so apparently the cowboy, you tell that the, the cowboy is real, is he has an extremely high fresh uh, pain threshold. Pain. Which you do see earlier in a scene where they're he on the airplane and he, a cigar he puts a cigar, a cigar out on his hand and doesn't flinch. But that's something I didn't pick up until... Yeah. So when when the criminal mastermind gets a hint that actually this person might be a fake an imposter, he's like, "Fuck you! I'm going to burn you." What What's even better is he just tried serving him a raw egg. Yeah. And he was about to nosh down on it. Like that to me says, "Don't do business with this guy." He's about to eat a raw egg. He also, he does that weird thing where he, he he's going to feed his dog, and he's like, "What do you do?" And the dog begs, like, "Never beg," but then still feeds the dog. You, you, you're doing the wrong thing. Don't train your dog like that. Emotional bullying. Emotional. What a cock. But it's the, yeah, the, the villain. <laughs> you know this scene's going to play out the way it is, isn't it? Any of these kind of comedies where someone is posing as someone else, yeah, you, you're going to get the slip, aren't they? They're going to say something wrong, and then it's the tension and it's the reveal. They were never going to get out of the scene with the chip. What I love about it is that he says he hasn't seen him for six years, and it's weird to imply that he would have kept the same hair. <laughs> Just yeah. six years later, they were trying a different hairstyle. He's yeah. the cowboy, he's still dressed up in his ridiculousness. Do you imagine that? He's like, yeah, goes to uh, he goes. You got different hair. Like if the cowboy, fuck off. Like, <laughs> so? Yeah. Like, you're fucking six years older, you prick. Yeah, sometimes I wear a hat. <laughs> and sometimes I don't. Um, the fear gets to Jack and he, the adrenaline starts reverting back to his own face, but it's time to get the fuck out of there, but they can't because this time they're captured. In captivity, Jack explains the real situation. He talks to her and he, he tells Lydia, this is what's happened. There's a man inside me, a man you know, a man you once loved, he's inside me now. He was inside you, but now he's inside me. Probably not for the first time. <laughs> and he asks for a moment alone with Lydia, so Tuck turns off the visual and audio while Jack leans in and kisses Lydia. Oh, God. A bit of a two-faced brick. <laughs> just, I'm just saying here. Also, feel a bit sorry for Tuck because he just accepts it. <laughs> he's just like, turn off. Mm. You know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. Just turn off. Don't do He's like... Like Jack's turn now. He was this like, you know, weekly, but now he's like, turn off. What do you want to see? It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, I can make you watch if you want. <laughs> what a prick. Um, Jack is, um, <laughs> sorry. Jack is then tied down as another strange man is made small and enters him. We've <laughs> got two now. At least this time he knows the man sort of. It's Mr. Igo. At this point though, hasn't, hasn't Jack transferred to. Oh no, just spoilers. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. sorry. Meanwhile, Lydia somehow tricks the guard watching her to electrocute himself. <laughs> That's that an eighties thing. Yeah. Sorry. Tuck is having a hard time establishing contact with Jack. So he turned on all his equipment again, but he can't see out the screens. He can't hear Jack what's going on. Um, uh, basically, he then travels ridiculously far. Bear in mind, if how he travelled must have been through the mouth. He somehow ends up in the uterus. I mean, I'm not a doctor, but it's a significant difference. Mine, I'm in your uterus. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, it's like, are we sure they didn't just kiss, or did he fucking bang it? Yeah. It's just anyway. He finds a fetus, realizing he is the father. Tuck is overcome with emotion. He travels to her inner ear. To try and make contact, and we'll find out why. So, a couple of moments, right? Yep. At this point, 
It would be much better if he still thought he was inside. <laughs> just like, he's like, you're pregnant. You're pregnant, <laughs> you're pregnant Jack. <laughs> Jack. Jack, you're not going to believe it. So, I'm not the only one in here. He's, like, he's having an alien in here. Yeah, and it looks like me. Because <laughs> he he knows it's his, right? Yeah, With he Lydia. is. Because the idea is, that's why Lydia basically couldn't stay after the night because he wasn't ready to be a father. And she must, so I think the theory is that you, she knew she was pregnant mm. at that stage at the beginning of the film. It doesn't work. And this is a few months later, but she's still not showing any signs of pregnancy. No, no, that's, no. That's I mean, he's, he's very, very infantile, isn't <clears> he? <throat> it, yeah. it is, uh, but, but yeah, I still think it would have been really dumbed down Dennis Quaid at this point. Make him question everything he knows about miniature art science. Like, I found a baby inside you, Jack. <laughs> I'll grab you now, Jack. Is it mine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. It looks like me, Jack. <laughs> Lydia. That, that, that scene is why this film, fucking weird. Comes out of nowhere, doesn't it? Yeah. He's just like, yeah. Lydia is able to free Jack and trap Mr. Sc- oh, it's actually, no, going back to this. So when the injection, going back to the start, when he's first injected into mine, he's knocked out because of the force of him moving. Or when uh, Thingy gets slapped, uh, when Martin gets slapped or gets hit for any reason, you see, uh, you see uh, Tuck, experience it yeah. so he gets thrown around but he doesn't know it's like he's passed into another body mm. yeah also this scientist man so he right I can understand maybe not man and no actually I was going to say man and woman surely to get a uterus he must have passed the breasts <laughs> or you know like the non-penis <laughs> <laughs> and like, the other things that the women have exactly <laughs> the second belly button but <laughs> <laughs> to be fair not a scientist <laughs> you, could, you could also you could also argue that Jack's like well I'll be honest, we didn't expect the rabbit to kiss anyone. <laughs> so, so I'm a bit unprepared for this shit. Do you know what? If I'm me, if you were inside me, if I was inside you and you start kissing my missus, I'd change your face to like fucking like, I'd go fucking mental. <laughs> or, or, just, or just like screaming in your ear constantly. So all you heard was me. <laughs> yeah. He realizes he's in Lydia. He's like, Lydia, quick, go to a mirror. <laughs> changes changes his face into his own. <laughs> in the most Dennis Quaid move ever. <laughs> oh, oh, can you imagine that? Like, oh, Lydia, while I'm here, I'm just going to make some changes, just like I did to, uh, to Jack. Oh, oh really fuck things up. He changed, he changed Lydia's face to Jack's face, and now we're in some weird face off territory. fucking hell Lydia is able to free Jack and trap Mr Scrimshaw and his hench people inside the chamber Jack is trying to get out the second ship they stole at the beginning of the film while playing with the dials he accidentally shrinks everyone to one half their size reduction of 50% of their size Lydia realises that Tuck is now inside her when he is able to broadcast their we must have sex now song (laughs) call back mate to earlier yeah it's a good thing they put that in at the beginning yeah it was because you want to understand Lydia kisses Jack again and Tuck is back where he belongs inside a man (laughs) not for the first time Yes. There's so much about this as well. <laughs> Lord juvenile. Yeah. But also there's so much going on at the minute. Like I like I like that they've just shrunk all the rival scientists. They're all like fucking good in there. Like and 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 through tomfoolery, because they don't know what they're doing. They press a load of buttons yeah. and they shrink them. What are the repercussions of that? Could have gone so wrong. No, but like, let's say, let's say, because, you know, at the end of the day, everything goes through. You still got to face the time. How how many years in prison do you think you get for shrinking someone? A lot, I imagine. Yeah, because that's, that's pretty, it, it seems like it's grievous, but you've hurt their body in a yeah. way that can never respond. 
Oh, it was a pretty serious crime. It was a pretty serious crime. But then again, to be fair, so I was kidnapped. <laughs> so I'm tortured. So murder, because they did kill Ozzy. And I like, I like, pepper spraying everyone. I like this bit though, though. So Dennis Quaid's character, uh, talk is back inside where yeah. he belongs. <laughs> and, and he's like, there's another bloke in here. <laughs> Jack explains that there is now two men inside him and they, and they will be fighting for dominance. <laughs> While driving back to the good lab, because, because it's going to get confusing, Mr. Scrumshaw... And Doctor can get attacked from the back seat, and the fight is, but they're small, they're tiny. This is, I mean, this is fun, playful, isn't it? You get the, this is PG. Yeah, this is this is you know that. And I'm, as an actor in the eighties, this must have been so much fun. They obviously cut away to scenes of them sat on a giant chair to make them look smaller. Yes, but when they're attacking from the back seat, it just looks brilliant how they've spliced it, and you can see the extended arms in the you know the puppets and stuff, and it's. But it's just charming and whimsical and, and it, completely unnecessary. They do not need to get in the back of the car at this no. point and have this whole sequence. Like, and it's a two-hour film, and all the way through this, I'm like, you could cut that, you could cut that, and well, deep down, but you don't want to really because you can't unsee it. While inside Jack, Mister Igo is able to locate and start destroying Tuck's ship. The two battle it out with neither getting the upper hand. They travel down Jack's throat, causing him difficulty breathing, getting closer and closer to the stomach. Now, by this point, uh, the cowboy, who would you say? It was um, Robert Bacardo, isn't it? Yeah. Has given up on acting by he this point. Need to, yeah. Every time it cuts to a scene, you know, like you, Iron Man, when you think of Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr., so much of that film he has to portray with a camera very close to his face yeah. as he's inside, you know, the, the Iron Man suit. And he has to convey emotion and he has to convey like, you know, worry and fret and anger and nothing. Robert Andrew does it brilliantly. At this point, it, like Robert Carter's just like, oh, fuck it. The film's done now. Isn't it? I'll just stay in this suit. Because every time it cuts to him, his face doesn't change. He's just looking at the camera every time. <laughs> it's really displacing. But- oh, that's not the cow. Where's Mr. Igo? Mr. Igo, sorry. Mm. Yeah, you're right. It's not, it's, leave the cowboy alone. Yeah, he's, he's still passed out in the, the bathroom somewhere. Yeah, yes. <laughs> but the, I, I do like it's, um, it's San Francisco, mate. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> I do like this as well. If, if you were. Uh, <laughs> no, I completely agree with you because he's only got two expressions. He's supposed to be motionless, but then when he's inside the man, he's got this weird grin that won't leave, and you're just like. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I don't he's, get he's it. found his happy place. He's inside. <laughs> it's inside man wrestling another man. But I, I do like this as well. That I think, God, I wish I was in. I wish I was old enough in '87 to walk out the cinema and just be like, I didn't see that happening. There were two of them in there. I thought I was just going to get one. See the space times too. Fucking hell! There's two of them and they were battling. <sighs> outside. Outside. Pete randomly shows us. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah, him. Hey, him again. He rescues Lydia and Jack from the bad guys. <laughs> Inside, Tuck is fucked. Mr. Igo is drilling through his ship, through his screen. He's losing mm. power. He's basically, basically watching himself die. He's attacked his oxygen, oxygen tanks. He's dying. Tuck needs to make Jack nervous so he can drop him in the stomach acid. So he tells the hypochondriac that while in his body, he found a tumour. I know you're trying to survive, mate. Dick move. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit, you know, because... <laughs> I mean, he's got to live with that after it's, this. It's you know, just like, oh, what's this? And also, I find it really funny. He's like, oh, I was, yeah, I found your tumor. I'd be like, we'd fucking do something about it. Or, I've, or I'll let you die in there. Yeah. <laughs> just, just or I'll stop jiggle. Yeah, and you will start <laughs> doing shit, mate. Or I'll fuck you up. Um, the plan works, and technically, Jack eats the villain. <laughs> this is it as well. So, we're talking about how much time do you get for um, shrinking someone against their will? Cannibalism. It is cannibalism because he's he, just digested he, a man. He, he digests a man. I mean, to be fair, the man was inside him against his will. That's true. So lots of lots of crime break. 
right, okay. So if I hit someone, it's assault. But if I shrink myself down and inject myself, then what crime is that? Mm. This is why we need the purge. (laughs) (laughs) For scientific discovery. But with all the power nearly gone and the oxygen dying out, he is trapped in Jack's lungs. They get to the lab and everyone's trying to help, but there's no way to get him out of his lungs. He's, he's going to die. Nothing can help. Mm. Unless. Hairspray. So someone brings him air mousse. <laughs> just, just like, there's only one chance to save him. Have some air mousse. <laughs> he has aspirin. Oh, is it? It's the aspirin that makes him sneeze. No, it's the, it's the hair. You get some hairspray. Someone brings him hairspray. Don't fucking question me on in this I thought he asked for aspirin. No, he asked for hairspray and someone gives him hair mousse. Hairspray is when he's freaking out in the uh, in the the shop that he works. Yeah, when he was in the shop that he works, and he asked for someone to give him aspirin, he takes a shitload of them. I yeah. thought it was I thought it was called back to that bit. No, no, this, he gets hairspray, which is from the beginning of the film. So I mentioned it. You know when I said he doesn't come up late, I was lying. He does. I never got up. a rash from the hairspray, but I thought he sneezed because of aspirin that he took no, in he the shop. Because of the hairspray. See, now you know. Uh, well, I think. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm still fucking traumatized by the fact that the. That uh, Chappie's just been eaten alive by stomach acid. Yeah, just just, just straight the up. most metal scene ever. I love the fact that as also Turk is like, I keep saying Turk, Turk, Turk is like, yeah, you just digested the bag. Like it's like mm. you've killed a man. Yeah, <laughs> just it's fine. Yeah, we both it. kind of killed him inside your stomach. That's Jack, so metal, though, isn't it? That's so metal. Like it's pretty metal. You don't think you're going to see that in a PG also, movie? Also, I was going to say you see like the skeleton and the rotted mm. away in the acid. You, I don't think you wouldn't get that in a PG now. There's no. something about the PG, the eighties, and the early nineties, which was kind of fun. Well, the thing like the Indiana Jones movies, isn't it? Like yeah. you see like skeletons and stuff like that, and it's um... seriously how does the Templar do in PG? I oh, know, yeah, it's mental. But um, don't get me wrong, I've, I've got to see it, so I'm mm. well happy. Uh, Jack sneezes and Tuck is finally out, becoming big, and reunites with Lydia. He finally meets the man he spent a whole day inside. All is, all is good with the world. Later is the wedding of Lydia and Tuck with Jack and friends. And for some reason, Jack's manager from the store, Wendy, and Jack's doctor. <laughs> <laughs> What's that about? <laughs> um, Jack recognises the limo driver as the cowboy who is concealing Mr. Scrimshaw and Dr. Kanker. Jack is cured quits his job and tells Wendy to go fuck herself. He's off to save the day. And Tuck learned how to be a man from being inside a man. And Jack, fi- and Jack finally learned to how to be a man from having a man inside him. <laughs> <laughs> That's the story of Inner Space. So I love how it, an hour of you have ever done. I love, I love how it sets up a sequel that didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a shame. Yeah. I would have fucking loved it in space too. I just would this love... is one of these films for, for if they were like in space, they'd be like fucking make yeah. it 80 million. They'd just be like in the trailer, like teasing it at the end. It would be like uh, talk on, it'd be like, I need you inside me again. <laughs> it's the other way around now. Yeah. <laughs> They've injected talk with a poison that somehow only, only Jack knows how to cure. So he's like, I'll get inside you. That's it. I will, I will go in you and get this poison out. Or someone's inside Jack whilst Jack is inside Tuck in a, in a space. It's like Inception. <laughs> but with men inside. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll be Love honest, it. this film, when I grew up, I really liked this film. It's a film that I always went back to. I loved everything. I loved the art style. I'm going to say this now. <clears throat> there are films that get you into films. Mm. And mine, I think, was Inner Space. There's everything I love about Inner Space. It's, it's, it's funny. There's action. As a kid, it was, it was taught with tension and pressure. I like the characters. I've, the character of Talk is only workable because you have the likable hypochondriac that is Jack. Mm. Weirdly, the film is all about the non-action hero not really stepping up, but being who he is. 
Well, the 80s was full of it, wasn't yeah. it? You had to pair chalk and cheese together, whether that be Axel Foley and Judge Reinhold or whether that be um, you know, Danny Glover and Mel Gibson. Mm. You, know, you, you had to pair the people up, you know, to... Um, to not get on, to bicker, to squabble, but to come together by the end of the movie, to learn about themselves along the way. Yeah, so um, I came from a place of, <clears throat> this is a film that made me interested in film. And I think maybe that's why I've never really gone back to watch it. And also probably because you can't find it. This film's never on mm. it. We had to fucking struggle to find this film. I fucking loved this film. It was just as good as when I watched it as a kid, even better because I actually understood something. I love the way it's portrayed. Like, I can't find that many... There's a scene where he's grabbing onto the esophagus and like, it looks like he's grabbing onto the inside of his throat. And at the same time, okay, some of it like the river of acids a bit shit, but everything else was fucking brilliant. Mm. I, this yeah. Film. I, I, so I, I obviously had fond memories of it so much so growing up that I forgot it existed and thought I made it up. But <laughs> rewatching this week, I will say this. I, it starts very strong. The first third of this movie, I was about to text you and be like, this is actually a genuinely great film. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong, Dennis Quaid's character is... is yeah, he's, You're not going to yeah. get that now. And 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 it goes back to the same thing we said with Top Gun. It's very hard to root for someone who's a bit of a dick. Yeah. But regardless of that, that the concept, the idea, the pairing, the casting, the, you know, it, it was a nice slice of the 80s. That first act of that movie, you know, when right the way up to when Dennis Quaid is like poking the eyeball and talking to him through the, um, yeah. through the earpiece... Oh, this is fucking great. The The problem for me with the film then is, and it's my, it's what I wanted from the film and I didn't get, which is really unfair on the film. I thought there was going to be a lot more exploring the body, the body. part. Yeah. In my memory, my mind, or what I thought this film was, we were going to see a lot more of Dennis Quaid on a mission inside, you know, so although he's in there by accident, there becomes a mission from inside him mm. that would keep cutting away to, you know, things like, a very strange reference, but uh, no, I'm not even going to go there. Actually, it's just <laughs> too odd. But, you know, I thought it was going to be one of the movies where Dennis Quaid's like uh, saying to Jack, I- I've got to go dark for, t- for a bit of time because I've got to do something. And you'd have these two storylines happening. All the stuff going on outside with the henchman with the weird arm, the scientist, the rival scientist group, the mob boss, the cowboy, it outstays its welcome very, very quickly. It's a two-hour film, which you're right. An hour and a half. And it, there's too many set pieces that involves that shit and that, that, that when really what I wanted to be was back inside Jack on that little ship going around and playing and pissing about, you know, in in the you know, the intestines and pissing about with different parts of the body and, you know, like, because um, that's where the fun is. That's where the imagination of this movie is. It's like when every time I rewatch um, Hear No Evil, See No Evil, I love that film and it is still probably my favourite comedy. Certainly the first two thirds are so much better than the last act. Yeah. And it's because the more you see about the mob and the henchmen and, and Kevin Spacey and the relationship there, I don't want that. I want the slapstick of someone who can't see and someone well, who can't hear. Yeah, Wilder, I want you? to see them, you know, in, in their adventure. And when it's tied down by too much storyline, I, I did watch it and, and I'm so heartbroken that the film didn't end the same way it started because I genuinely thought this is one of the best films I've seen in ages. I, I, I think it's it's got nostalgia working for it. I've got such fond memories of this film. And <clears throat> it's one of the films that really got me into film, like from a really long age. I, everything about it, it's, it's a visual journey. It's The writing isn't strong, but it's just enough. <laughs> the world that we live in, it's nice to see a little story mm. about a man inside another man and basically they kind of, fight yeah fight crime or whatever <laughs> what, what still don't really understand what they do S- keeps him alive there you go 
but the, nowadays I think you're saturated with things like the borrowers, Ant Man. You know, the, the the miniaturized thing is a cheap. It's an easy gag. Yeah. Because when you make things huge on set, Honey, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids kind of really did this. You know, like riding the ant and all that kind of stuff, yeah. and in the bowl of cereal, like those iconic scenes. It is now done to death. I imagine in the space of the first time you watched that, you was like, I, fuck, like that's yeah, such a such a cool idea. I it, I, I think the script is gold. I, I know it went for a rewrite for John Carpenter, but. And maybe the film that they rewrote it from is actually the film I wanted to see. Yeah. You know, the, you know but I, I don't know. I, just... Yeah, no, I, I, I know there's a bit of a divide. Not much, but a bit of a... I think these films are an instant classic. Like, I was watching mm. these films, like, this is a great film. It's corny. It's it's rich in cliches. I mean, let's be honest, they, they've literally... It's Maverick. It's Maverick inside. Mm. It's, but do you know what? I, I, I don't... I, Dennis Quaid is the perfect choice to be that cocky pilot. Like, yeah. even when you see him drunk and he shows up, I believe so. Like, even when he gets married at the end and he's like, it's like, huh, no one noticed that these the cuffs are the microchips. It's like, well, you're a dick. You just stole those prototypes. Yeah. Like, you're an arsehole. No 90% wonder, of no the wonder. people here don't fucking know what them cuffs are. Wait, we're fucking three of them. I don't know why you've invited. <laughs> <laughs> but I, do you know what? Loved it. I, I believe, though, this film exists, mind you keeping this together yeah if this was I can't I can't think of many other actors that could have weirdly made this work and Mike Shaw is not like an A-list superstar just think this film was perfectly suited to his style he was able to bring enough personality he has great chemistry with it, with an actor that presumably they share no scenes with mm. because obviously they're talking and I think well done to them because it, that's actually one of the first times I saw it again. do you know what I held up I genuinely mm. was watching it I loved it I thought it was fucking brilliant if this was a trilogy, yeah. you're completely right. The sequel would see Jack going in Tuck. Yeah. And then the third one, they would go into a dog. Yes. Do you know what I mean? It would yeah, be so abstract. Oh, it would be, be definitely a dinosaur. Yeah. It, yeah. He <laughs> shrinks so much, he's like in an ant or yeah. something, you know. Um, but I, yeah, I, I kind of do wish there was a bit of a sequel to it. I, there are things that I wish it went to and, and it didn't live up to my memory of what I thought the film was. I still thoroughly enjoyed it rewatching this week. Do you think it's about 20 minutes away from being a genuine masterpiece? Yeah, I yeah, do. I think, a couple I think, of changes. I think some right endings, and we were talking about this as like a sci-fi defining genre. And I'm so glad for 200 episodes, we did this, what I came to realise is an underrated, brilliant mm. film. Definitely got me in the mood to hunt down more 80s classics. We did a lot of 80s in the first 100. Yeah, we kind of slipped away, but now it's back. We kind of went into the 90s, didn't we? But So I've got a couple of questions to see if you learned from this experience. Now, I, I, I studied advanced physiology, so... Well, I studied English with history. I, I, I would <laughs> so. say I would say that this movie uh, is, is, is the same as what I think NASA scientists thought of Armageddon. But... <laughs> Let me see if you get any of these answers to these questions about how well you know your body, James. Okay. The fourth fit is a little tiny Adam Sandler has to go inside you and do something. I don't know. <laughs> Question one. How many teeth does the average human have? 36. 32. You bastard. How many bones? Oh, uh, 128. 206. <laughs> That's quite far after. <laughs> how many muscles? Wait, let me count them. One. <laughs> To. Um, well, I imagine there's what something like three muscles for every fuck it, 572. Close, 600. Oh, that was the closest I've been. On average, how long does it take for food you've eaten to be pooped out? 18 hours, six to eight. Really? I'd go get that checked out. <laughs> I think I might have a problem. Send Dennis Quaid in. Excuse me, what's Dennis Quaid up to? <laughs> I just think making any more like dog movies because if not, I get, get him small. Get, get Dennis in me now. Uh, how many organs does a person have? Oh, my brain. Skin's one. 
Oh no, we didn't know we could be here for a while. Uh, 18. 78. <laughs> what are the, okay, because you're missing a lot. <laughs> what are the five vital ones? Um, heart, brain, lungs, liver, kidney. Yeah. There you go. There you go. And uh, weirdly, those are the five vital ones. We as a human race eat three of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, 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 I was surprised you didn't go, uh, Penis, penis, penis. <laughs> penis, <Yeah>. please. <laughs> um, next one. These next five is I want to know if I was, I want you to tell me where these are on the body. Oh, okay. If I wanted to stroke the tibia, what would I be stroking? Would you be stroking your leg, your inner thigh? No. It's not the inner thigh. It's your lower leg. It's the shin. That's where the lower leg, that's where your shin is. <laughs> yeah. There you go. It's not your inner thigh though, is it? If I were to it's got long thighs, man. <laughs> if I want to caress the bucal, you are caressing the armpit. It's the cheek. The armpit cheek. <laughs> if I were to gnaw the metacarpophalangeal joint, your jaw. That's the knuckle in your hands. These are your flanges, your hand, your fingers. Really? That's cool. Why do you call them fingers? Because it's easier than phalanges. <laughs> I like that phalanges. I'm going to say that. I'm going to phalange you later. But then again, the metacarpal is the foot, though, isn't it? The, the, you sure? Yeah, you, footballers the, get it all the time. I was going to say, the only one I know about that is, is that's the bone that breaks just for a World Cup. Mm. That always happens to England's best player because then the sun brings out a newspaper. It's like, heal him through the power of positive thought. It's like, no, fuck him. He wants much more <laughs> money than me. Make him break other feet. If I wanted to pierce my philtrum, what would I be getting pierced? Um, your philtrum, your penis. <laughs> <laughs> Upper lip. <laughs> That's close. <laughs> Where's your penis been? <laughs> um, I had a joke, but it was I found a question. What is the biggest muscle in the body? It's this skin? <laughs> no, a muscle, a brain. The brain's a muscle. No, it's the gluteus maximus, aka the arse. Oh, mine's broken. It's got a crack in it. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not perfect. It's got a crack in it. Um, well, so I'm thick as shit. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers! <laughs> Wait, it's the film spot for not teaching you this shit. <laughs> I don't remember when that came up. I do remember though that if you study like Bugs Bunny, you can get injected into a man That's and it. survive. That's the film we're robbed of. Yeah. Is why were they going into that rabbit? <laughs> what the fuck know. were they going to do? It can sh- right. There's electromagnetic pulses that yeah. can destroy things. Change its face. You can communicate <laughs> with animals. Yeah. That's the fucking film I want to see. After you've spoken to it <laughs> and you've caused it to fucking blow a telly up, change, change its fucking rabbit face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, brilliant. Bestiality, though. It's not funny. It's not funny, no, at all. Oh. oh, it's terrible. That's our show for this week. That is the 200th episode. 200 plus, because we've done a few specials. We've done some spin offs and everything, but that's the 200th official episode of the Sorry You're in My Seat uh, podcast, the journey to find the greatest movies of all time. If we find a great movie, we put it in our vault, and I would put this movie I in. I would put this movie in. And knowing vault. that vault so far is things like Godfather, is like Terminator, Alien. You know, it's the best uh, of Lord the best. of the Rings. You know, yeah. it's it's the the iconic, the brilliant, the best, the ones that we want to save from any apocalypse. I think future You've got to preserve yeah, this space. film. It's so good. Um, obviously, Ghostbusters in there, Indiana Jones is in there, not the fourth one. No, but there's exist. so much good stuff in there, and yeah, this goes pride of place in the vault. So. If you haven't seen Inner Space, I hope you've uh, inspired you to go check out that this isn't all made up. It's real. It's real. It's out there. It's happened. 
And uh, if you if you have seen it, hopefully this brought back some fond memories and made you laugh along the way. Thanks for making us uh, laugh along the way as well, James. That was really uh, insightful and enjoyable. It was always fun to spend these moments with you for 200 episodes plus, mate. Yeah, 200 episodes plus. It's, it's, it's been quite a journey. And we're still here. We are still here. Next week we are, for our 201 episode, we're going to go back to just reviewing movies. Going to keep it nice and low-key next week. Yeah, nice you, can't, you can't have all the fun. No, can you? no, God, you, you can't have Inner Space every week. But we'll have Sometimes a, you've got to have some decent episodes. <laughs> we'll have plenty of new films to talk about next week. So if you don't see you later, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodbye.